All right, well, good morning. Hope you all are doing well this morning. I am uh, thankful to be here again with you this morning and uh, again continue to just remember Pastor Andy John. Uh, they were able to actually go on a little vacation and so much well deserved, but again, he's uh, pray for him in this upcoming week too, and so let's uh, make sure that we're continuing to pray for our pastor, and he's, uh, his desire is to be here with you, and, and, and trust me, it just it hurts his heart not to be able to be here, so, so please continue to, uh, to pray for him. And so, uh, so I'm John Thaxton, and I have the blessing of being able to serve as the pastor of missions and outreach here, and again, I'm so thankful uh, that I can serve here at Lindsay Land, and I'm thankful that you all are, are a giving church and that we can go and we can do... Um, uh, because of your gifts and because of your, your tithes and your offerings. And so July, this month, is one of our what we call a move-out month. And so what we do is we get together on these move-out months and we focus on how we can bless our community. And so we specifically set aside, we've set aside three months this year that we're specifically and intentionally as a church moving out into our community every Wednesday night during these move-out months. So July is a move-out month, and we've had a great time of fellowship with one another as we've moved out these first two Wednesdays. And uh, our first Wednesday, we had the opportunity to bless and refresh our community by giving out gift cards. Uh, so we spread out throughout the community. We gave away gift cards. We were able to tell them who we were, what we were doing, and most importantly, how we could pray for them. And so it was a great opportunity for us as a church to go out together in our community, and we had a great time with that. This past Wednesday, well, we had a packing party as we partnered with Lunches of Love, and we were able to gather uh, food, and we collected enough food for 300 bags of food to provide meals for children who otherwise wouldn't have food on the weekends. And we had a great time. It was a great opportunity for us to share Christ's love and meet a real physical need. Well, for the next two Wednesday evenings, uh, we're actually not going to meet at the church, but we are going to be moving out into our community. So for the next two Wednesdays, uh, we're going to be doing that, but we won't be meeting here. So for this coming Wednesday, what we're going to ask you all to do is we're going to ask you to prayer walk your neighborhoods. We're going to ask you to prayer walk your neighborhoods. And what we have here, if you scratch your head and say, well, I don't really understand prayer walking. I don't really understand what it's about. Well, there's a QR code on your, uh, on your bulletin here. If you snap a shot of that, it will take you to a prayer walking guide. It will explain what prayer walking is, what it looks like, and it will give you some direction. Well, if you say, I don't want to do the QR code, I've actually got some hard copies at the gathering space information desk. So right after the service, go pick one up, and it will help to guide you this Wednesday. The fourth Wednesday on the 27th, we're encouraging you to bring in one of your neighbors. Have one of your neighbors that maybe you don't know too well. Maybe there's someone new in your community. Uh, invite them to your house for a cookout. Invite them to your house for supper one evening. And so what we've also got is we have some invitation cards. So we have those also at the gathering space desk or if you do the QR code. That'll take you to some invitation cards as well. Just something easy that you can hand to your neighbor and invite them to your house. And so that's what we're doing for the following two Wednesday nights here on this Move Month. And so if you're scratching your head and you might be asking yourself, well, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why don't we specifically set aside this time to do this? The answer is quite simple. The Lord has called us as his followers to live missional lives. 
He has called us as his followers to live missional lives. These move nights are just a way that we as a body, as one body, can live missionally. But it's also to spark individuals to look at their own lives and to live missional lives individually as well. So living missional simply means that we live our lives with a purpose. And that purpose is the same purpose as Jesus Christ. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Our purpose and our mission is to show and to tell. We show people what a life with Jesus Christ looks like. And then we, <clears throat> and then we tell them how they can have that as well. So we show them what a life with Christ looks like. And then we tell them how they can enter into that as well. And so we live our lives with purpose because we are on a mission. And the Lord has given a mission to all of his followers. So today we're going to look at our call to missional living. Our call to missional living and why it is imperative, why it is imperative that we live on mission. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open your word, God, today, as we, as we see what you have purposed for us in our life, Lord, as we look at, Lord, how you have intended for us to serve, Lord, I pray, God, that you would open our hearts and our minds, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us, Lord. I pray that your spirit would just fill us, Lord, uh, with the power, Lord, that we need to live missional lives, God. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to gather this morning, Lord. We thank you so much for just being able to sing your praises this morning, Lord, to sing of your greatness, Lord, because you are you are truly great, Lord, and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing, God. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. All right, so what I want you to do right now, I want you to think about something. If you're writing, if you're taking notes, if you've got a pen and pencil, you're welcome to write these things down, or you can just start making kind of a mental list, okay? So I'm going to give you something to start listing, whether you list it in your mind or you write them down, it's okay. And then I'm going to awkwardly pause for 15 seconds. For me, it's going to feel like five years up here counting to 15, but I'm going to give you 15 seconds to just write a few things down, okay? So I'm going to give you a question, and I'm going to have you either write down or just think about it in your mind and make kind of a mental list. Okay, you guys ready? Got your thinking caps on? All right, okay, so here's your question. What do you know about God. So if you're writing down, just list it. What do you know about God? Or if you're just, if you're mentally thinking about it, just think about what do I know about God? All right. So I'm going to give you 15 seconds to write down and think about the things that you know about God. Okay, that was an awkward pause. I, I can't wait anymore. I can't, I'm not sure if it was 15 seconds or not. I might have cheated you on your time. But uh, Now, some of you are like, man, I was done like after five seconds. And some of you are like, come on, man, I could take like two years for this. Okay, so, so as you're thinking about this and as you, you look at your list or maybe you think back to what I thought of or what I know, you know, the things that I know about God and the things that you listed down, how do you know what you know about God? How do you know what you know about God? And kind of on a broader scale, how do we as people know what we know about God? How do we as people 
know what we know about God. Well, simply put, God has revealed himself to us. God has revealed to us everything that we know about him and everything that we need to know. God has revealed this to us, and that's how we know what we know about God. He has told us. He has revealed that to us. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So here in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the Lord talks about the secret things and the things that are revealed. There's some things that only God knows. There are some things that He is the only one that knows. But there are things that God has told us and He has revealed to us. So there's secret things that belong only to God. And then there's revealed things that belong to who? They belong to us. Because God has revealed those things to us. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, the New Living Translation puts it this way. The New Living Translation says, The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them. But we and our children are accountable forever for all that He has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. So when we think about this and the way that the New Living Translation puts it, uh, which of these things are we responsible for? Are we responsible for the secret things of the Lord? No, God's got that. He has chosen to, to keep those for himself. Are we responsible for the things that he has revealed to us? We are. We're responsible for the things that he has revealed to us. And he says that we're responsible for them and we're accountable for them. As I was kind of thinking through this, real quick story for you here. Uh, when I started seminary, I was a little bit older. I had two kids and a wife at the time. Uh, I was a bivocational youth pastor, which what that means is that you work a second job also to pay your bills. Okay, so I had two jobs, two kids, a wife. And I said, Lord, I, you know, I feel like I, I, I want to go to seminary. I want to try to get some of this, some training here. And so as I did that, uh, you know, when you're a little bit older, you think, well, I'm going to make the most of this. I'm going to get all of that, everything out of this that I can. So I'm going to study hard. I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone. And I'm really, I'm going I'm to put 100% into this, right? And so I get to class and honestly, it is the most reading that I've ever done in my life. And I will never do that much reading again in my life. So uh, not to discourage anybody, but it is a lot of reading. And so I, as I got there, uh, I can't remember what class, but one of the first classes he puts this, uh, you know, gives us our text, and it's like, you know, three or 400 pages for like the next class that we have to read. And he says, now, now you are accountable for everything that you see in these chapters. He said, you're accountable for it. You're going to come. We're going to discuss it. You're responsible for knowing the information in these chapters. And so I, I mean, I was still, I was real gung-ho, so I said, all right, let's do this. And so I just... Early in the morning, late at night, I'm reading, I'm studying, right? And, and, and I'm reading these things. And I come back to class and I think, man, I am prepared. I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to discuss these things. Well, he comes and he throws a, a quiz out on us. He says, well, let's just, let's see how well, you know, you read it. And then we'll talk about it. So he throws a quiz on us. There's about five questions on there. And I'm reading these questions and I say, I have no idea what any of these are. Like literally none of them. And I thought, what in the world is wrong with me? And then as we look at it, he looks and he says, okay, did you all read 
everything in these chapters? Did you read everything? And of course, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And every one of those questions actually came from the footnotes that, he, that, that the author had put in the book. And so does anybody know, everybody know what footnotes are? Some younger ones you may not, but it's basically a little mark that the author would put on a word that he might not want to describe in the text, but he would describe it later on. But we were responsible for those, and I didn't think it was important, so I didn't read the footnotes. I thought, I'll just read up here. It's shorter. Well, you know what? I was still responsible for those footnotes. I was responsible for everything that that author had put in there. And it was a good lesson for me because you know what I did from then on out? I just read the footnotes. No, I'm kidding. I read everything in there, but yeah. But yeah, so, so we're, I was responsible for all that. And we are responsible for the things that God has revealed to us. We are responsible for the things that the Lord has revealed to us. Now, there's two ways that God has chosen to reveal himself. He's done it generally through nature, and then he's done it specifically through his word. We call that general revelation and special revelation. Now, general revelation refers to the general truths that can be known about God through nature. The things that we see in creation point us to a creator. And the Bible kind of helps us to understand this as well. So if we look at Psalm 19.1, says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. So as you kind of are thinking there, are there places that you look at in nature, in the natural world around us, that you just look at and you go, wow. Are there those places for you? These are the things that make something inside of every person say that there has to be something out there bigger than myself. There has to be something out there bigger than myself. When I was a kid, I can remember looking out at the ocean, and I would have the, that overwhelming feeling of saying, I felt so small, there has to be something out there bigger than me. Some of you that might be hikers, you hike up to the top of a mountain. You look out there, you see all these mountains and all the valleys and just the beauty of it, and you say, this can't happen just by accident. There's something inside of every one of us that say, there is something out there bigger than me. There is a creator. When I read this Psalm 19.1, I go back to uh, a few years ago. We were in Zambia. We were out in the bush, and I promise you that was the clearest I had ever seen that night sky. And you just look up at that, and you say, God, I know that you are there. And it's just amazing when we see these things. And these things in nature, this is what God has stamped his handiwork on, right? He says, I have done this. And there's something inside of every one of us that makes us say there's something bigger out there than me. Romans 1, 19 through 20 puts it this way. It says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So according to these passages, some of the things that the Lord has revealed to all of mankind uh, through his creation is his existence, his power, and his intelligence. And so with those scriptures in mind, sort of a working definition of general revelation might be something like this. The revelation of God to all people at all times and in all places that proves God exists and that he is intelligent, that he is powerful, 
and that he is transcendent. So all people for all time have this natural sense that there is a supernatural force, that there's something out there bigger than them, that there's something out there greater than them. People fight against this, though. People fight against this. They try to deny it despite the fact that they have this sense of a creator because the creator has put this sense in them. So they fight against it. So we have this general knowledge of God, the fact that he has revealed himself in a general way through his creation to all people at all times. So I want to take a look at really quickly what sinful people, what sinful people do with this general knowledge. Here's what sinful people do with just this general knowledge that there is a creator, that there is something out there bigger than themselves. This is in Romans 1, 21 through 25. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in their lust uh, to their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So with just this general knowledge of the Lord, recognizing that there is a Creator, that there's something out there bigger than ourselves, with just this general knowledge, because of sin, people begin to worship the things that they have made up rather than worshiping the true God. This idea of general revelation, this general knowledge, leads to idolatry because of man's sinful heart. People have this sense of a creator, but our sinful nature, the sinful nature of man, leads them to worship nature and the created rather than the creator. Now, this is where a lot of our world is now, and it's heartbreaking. There are countries and people who literally worship idols. They literally are worshiping things that they have fashioned with their hands because they know that there's something greater out there than themselves. They can't quite explain it. They don't know what it is. And so then they begin to, to fashion these things. You know, imagine yourself having this idea of saying, I know there's something out there bigger than me. And then you see the sun, you go, wow, that's pretty powerful there. I think I'll worship that. And that's where a lot of our world is. And we see a lot of countries that are, that are literally worshiping idols. But we're not so different here. There are people here who create their own ideas of who God is. They create their own ideas of what God is like. And they create their own ideas of what will satisfy this God that they've sort of created in their mind. Okay, So we're not that different here. We take these general truths, we take these things that we recognize that there's something bigger out there than ourselves, well, then we fashion those things, right? Uh, and then if people simply use their own imaginations to create an image of who God is and what is pleasing to Him. But the Lord didn't leave us to our own imagination, did He? The Lord didn't leave us to figure things out on our own. He didn't leave us to figure things out and fashion these things, right? The Lord revealed himself to us in a real, in a special way. He revealed to us who he is, what his expectations are, 
and what his plan is. Special revelation refers to the more specific truths that we can know, be known about God through the supernatural. Now, he did this in many ways, and throughout history we have a record of this, and it's right here. It's Scripture. This is God's special revelation to us. This is how God has specifically revealed himself to us through his word. We don't have to figure things out on our own because God has told us these things. God has told us uh, these answers to life's big questions. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So here in my hand, I have the word of God. So the Lord himself has given us his words. He delivered them to us through a variety of ways, but they came from him. Uh, in 2 Peter 1, 16-21, Peter kind of talks about some variety of ways that it has come to us uh, in our Bible here. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do good well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the Word of God, and this is His revelation about Himself. This is specifically what God has revealed to us. This is how we know what we know about God. This is how we know what He expects of us is through His Word. And this is how he has done that. Uh, ultimately, we see the ultimate revelation uh, in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. And, and they read it a little bit during worship time. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by, his, by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So we see the ultimate revelation of God. What is God like? We see uh, God in the flesh in Jesus Christ. Well, how do we know what we know about Jesus Christ? Right here. He's told us in his word. This is how we know about Jesus Christ. This is, no what, this is what we know about Jesus Christ is through his word. This is God's special revelation to us. Uh, God decided to reveal everything that humanity needs to know about him, what he expects, and what he has done for us in the Bible. Now, if we go back and according to Deuteronomy 29, 29, if the Lord has revealed things to us, then we are responsible for knowing them. If the Lord has revealed things to us, then we are responsible for knowing them. We're responsible and we're accountable for them. Uh, we're responsible for knowing them, teaching them, and obeying them. Now, when we look at Scripture, the Lord has revealed to us all of life's 
the answers to all of life's big questions. God has given that to us in Scripture, in His Word, right? A big question that people ask is, hey, where did all this come from? How did all this start? Well, we see that here. We see our beginning, right? Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's our beginning. We also see, we see that man is God's special creation. Man is God's special creation. Genesis 1-27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We see that man is God's special creation, right? Genesis 2-7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. The Lord is the source of our life. We see that, that God fashioned this first man with his hands. He took the time to fashion him with his hands. He breathed life into him. He is his source of life. We see that in Scripture. We, the, that question is answered, right? Genesis 2.8, we see, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man that he had formed. So we see that God had created man. God created woman. God placed them in this garden, in this perfect place, right? So we see where we began. We see where humans began. We are God's special creation, right? Well, it doesn't take us long to look around the world that we live in and say, this ain't perfect. This is not perfect. We look around the world we live in and we see pain. We see heartache. We see those things, right? We look at, we look at this. God had made us his special creation. We see perfection. We see perfection there in the Garden of Eden. We see a perfect relationship between Adam and Eve. We see a perfect relationship between the Father and them. It's a perfect relationship. But we don't see that in our lives. If you're married, you realize you might have a good relationship, but it ain't perfect. We look at relationships that we have with other people, and there's problems with those things, right? We recognize, too, that we don't have this perfect relationship with the Father either. We see a problem. And we might scratch our head and say, well, if, if this is how it all began, well, what's the problem? Well, Scripture tells us that, too, right? God has revealed to us the answer to that, too. God has told us what our problem is. So the Lord tells us in Scripture that our problem is sin. Our problem is sin. The first man and the first woman disobeyed the Lord. God gave them one command. He said, hey, don't eat of the fruit of this tree. You can have anything else you want. Just don't do this. Well, they fell to temptation. They disobeyed God. They disobeyed God, and, uh, and they sinned. Now, that same sin, that same nature of disobedience was passed down generation to generation to generation to generation. And so we are born with this nature of sin. Romans 5, 12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. So there we see our problem. We see our problem. We see why we live in a broken world. It's because we're broken people. We're broken people who live in a broken world, who have imperfect relationships, and that's where we are. And God has told us that in his word. He says, well, here's why. Because way down the line, Adam and Eve sinned, and, it's, and that sin is passed down generation to generation through Adam, right? And we have inherited that as well. Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're all in that, and our problem is brokenness because of sin. 
Romans 6.23, the first part says, the wages of sin is death. So that's what we've earned from our sin, right? Scripture is very clear with that. We're separated from our source of life. God is that source of life. We have separated ourselves from our source of life because of our sin. And this is where many people in our world are today. They're separated because of their sin, right? This is where they are. They're destined to death. They're destined to eternal separation. Uh, And this is where a lot of our world is. But God didn't stop there, did he? God shows us in his word. God shows us what that solution is, right? God loves us. We are his special creation. He loves us. He didn't want to see us apart from him. He didn't want to see us living our lives in sin and in disobedience. So he gave us a solution. And he tells us what that solution is right here in his revealed word. He desires a relationship with us so much that he sent his son to die in our place. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We couldn't do anything on our own because we know what we do when we think about a creator. We would make up our own God. We would fashion our own God. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm going to show you. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to take your place. And he did that through Jesus Christ. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Going back to Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This was his purpose. This was Jesus' purpose. This was his mission. Jesus was sent to the earth to live a perfect life. And to die as a sacrifice, not for his sin, but for our sin. That's why he came. That's why he lived a perfect life. And that's why he died, was in our place. To pay our debt that we had earned. The wages, the earnings of sin is death. Because of our sin, we've earned death, right? But Jesus says, no, no, no. He came and died in our place. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us, because if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So God shows us the solution to our problem. So we see see where we came from in Scripture. We see our problem, sin, in Scripture. We see the solution to that problem, and that's Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you today. If you have never called upon the name of Jesus Christ to be saved, just do it today. Today's the day. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus uh, lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross, and that God arose him from the dead. You confess Jesus is Lord, right? Today is the day. Now, Scripture tells us what the Lord's desire is for all people. This is the Lord's desire for all people. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4 says, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
the Lord's desire is that all people would come to him. The Lord's desire is that all people would be made into a right relationship with him. That's his desire because he loves people. He sent his son Jesus Christ for all people. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the Lord's desire. The Lord's desire is that we would repent and come to him and that all people would do that. Now it's in this that we find our purpose as well. And scripture is very clear about our purpose. Uh, We find our purpose in this life through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is where we find our purpose is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, When asked what the greatest thing that someone could do, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? What's the best thing we could do? What's the greatest thing we could ever do? And Jesus responds to him. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says the greatest thing that we could ever do is to love him and to love our neighbor, to love people. Uh, in John 14, 15, Jesus explains it a little bit more. He says this. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And obviously we find Jesus' commandments right here, right? He says, if you love me, you're going to obey what I have told you. Uh, Jesus uh, explains that to us, and there's this direct correlation between loving God and keeping his commandments. If we love him, our desire is going to be to keep his commands. Now, Jesus, after he rose from the grave and he, and he was about to ascend back into heaven, he gave us our mission and our purpose. He gave us our mission and our purpose. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission here, he says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He gives us our mission there. He tells us to make disciples. To make disciples. Make disciples. To invite others to come and to follow him. To invite others to come and be his followers. We're commanded to go and to make disciples. Acts 1.8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, we have God's revealed word. Deuteronomy 29.29 tells us that we're responsible for his revealed word, and we're responsible to be obedient to this, right? And Jesus himself tells us, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, here's two things that he's told us, right? To make disciples and to be his witnesses. Now, he's made this direct correlation between loving him and desiring to, and desiring to be obedient to him. And these are two things that he has specifically told us that we are to do. Now, Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I want you, if you believe this, I want you to raise your hand. If you believe that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you believe that, raise your hand. All right. 
That's for every one of us. We believe God and we take God at his word. We say, yes, God, somebody calls on you, they will be saved. Now, I want to read to you Romans 10, 14, the next verse down. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to hear without someone telling them about Jesus? How will they do that? This revealed message uh, of the Lord's plan of salvation has been entrusted to us, and we are responsible to share that because people cannot figure it out on their own. We have seen it. People can't figure it out on their own. God has given us his revealed word. We have his revealed word. It is our responsibility to share that revealed word. Because people cannot figure it out on their own. They cannot figure it out on their own. We're not going to make this up on our own. What we're going to do is we're going to worship an idol if we're on our own. But God didn't leave us on our own, did he? He gave us his word. There are over 3 billion people in the world today who have never heard the gospel. That's mind-blowing. 3 billion people in the world have never heard the gospel and as we think about that, we think, well, yeah, that's all, you know, that's over the seas and things like that. I promise you there are people right here in our community who have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. There are people here in our community that have thought about who God is and have made up in their own minds ways that they can please him. And they've never really truly heard a clear presentation of the gospel. So three billion people have never heard the gospel, and I can promise you there's people in our area that have never either, either haven't heard a clear presentation of the gospel and who may never have heard the gospel before. So we can't let ourselves off the hook because we live in Athens, Alabama. We can't let ourselves off the hook on that because people try to figure it out on their own, and they come up short. The disciples and those that were present in Acts 1-8, they were obedient to the message. Jesus said, you all will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Well, we're the ends of the earth here, and the gospel has made it to us. The disciples were obedient, and it was passed down generation to generation to generation to generation, and it is with us now. And are we going to be obedient? Are we going to be obedient? Each and every one of us that has called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to be his witnesses uh, we are to do those things. Uh, so where does this start? Where does this start? Well, it starts with prayer. We pray. We pray for the lost. We pray for opportunities. We pray for strength. And we pray for courage. Second thing we do is we give. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.20 tells us that we were bought at a price. We are not our own, but we are servants of Jesus Christ. So we give. We give of our time. It takes time to develop relationships. It takes time. It takes us giving of ourselves, right? It takes time for people to begin to trust us. So sometimes we have to think less about our own schedule and what we're doing and think more about the lost that need to, have, to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And we also give. We give of our financials, uh, financial blessings, right? Uh, God says that he blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. And we go. We go out. Share your story with those around you. 
Share your testimony with those around you. Live your life in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. Live like Jesus told us to live in Scripture. So Jesus says this about us in Matthew 5. He says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As we live lives in obedience to God, people will notice the difference in us, and we must be uh, ready to give a testimony for Jesus Christ. People will see a difference in us when we're living our lives for Jesus Christ, but we need to be ready to give a testimony for Jesus Christ when they ask about that. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain it. So as we look at this commandment that Jesus has given us, we are to make disciples. We are to be his witnesses. And he has told us this, right? And we're accountable. We're accountable because it's God's revealed word to us. We're accountable to that. We're accountable for that. And so as we go out, we said at the beginning, we'll show and tell, right? We will show what a life with Jesus Christ looks like. Let's show people what a life with Jesus Christ looks like, and we tell them how they can enter into that life as well. So we need to show and we tell. Some of you this morning are scratching your head and you say, I realize and I recognize that Jesus Christ has given us this command. I recognize and I know that I need to be sharing my faith. I recognize and I know that I need to be witnessing for Christ, but I'm scared. I'm scared, right? We're there. You're in good company. I get scared too. There's a certain uneasiness and a nervousness about it that we all have, but that doesn't let us off the hook. Comfort zones don't let us off the hook. The fact of the matter is there's a lost and dying world that just need to hear the message, and we have been entrusted with this. We've been entrusted with this, and it's our duty to share now, the great thing here, too, is that even though we are scared, Jesus has given us this commandment. Now, the really cool thing is before Jesus told the disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, the first thing he told them was what? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. The first thing he says I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the power necessary to do this. So if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, John 14, 17 says we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And that is truly God living inside of us. And that's the power that we go out in. So we work in, in, in victory. We work in the victory of Jesus Christ. So as we are nervous, as we are scared, remind yourselves of that. We're not going out in our own power. In our own power, we're weak. But when we have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we go out in his power and in strength. All right. So as we go out, we live lives on the mission that the Lord has given us to make disciples, to be his witnesses. This morning, let me encourage you. If you have never responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you say, I am living in this broken life and I need Jesus Christ, well, today's the day. Place your faith and your trust in him. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for you and confess him as Lord. And it is as easy as that. 
and Jesus will forgive you of your sin and he will come into your life and he will give you meaning and he will give you purpose in life. If we as a church need to come together and just get things right with the Lord, come on, this altar is open. If you need to speak with somebody, we'll have counselors that will be up here and that will be ready to talk to you as well. So let's be obedient to live our lives in the way that the Lord has told us to in His Word. We are called to live our lives on mission, and it's imperative that we do so. It's imperative that we do so. That's the only way that people are going to hear the message of Jesus Christ is if we tell them. So we are called to live lives on mission, and it's imperative that we do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your Word. We praise you for your word, Lord. I thank you so much, God, that you have revealed yourself to us. I thank you that you didn't leave it up to ourselves to figure things out, Lord, because we would completely mess that up, God. But you have told us, Lord. You have told us these things, Lord. You have told us where we came from. You have told us our problem of sin, Lord. You have given us a solution, Lord Jesus, and that's through your death, burial, and resurrection. You have also given us purpose in this life, Lord. You've given us the purpose, Lord, to tell the story, Lord, so that others could be saved, Lord. Because your desire is not that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance, Lord God. I pray that you would be with us, Lord, as we exit this building, Lord, as we recognize and realize what we need to do, Lord, that we need to be your witnesses, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us with fear, Lord, that you would help us to be courageous, Lord, to be bold in our witness, Lord, to others, Lord Jesus. I pray that even today you would be preparing hearts all around us, Lord, a co-worker maybe, Lord, that needs to know you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you you would set up the divine appointments, Lord, with us this week even, Lord God. I pray that we would see you work in a mighty way, Lord Jesus. We love you and we thank you so much, Lord, for who you are, Jesus. In your name we pray, God. Amen.